Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me today is my OG co-host, Ryan Whitfield. Hey Ryan, how you doing? How's it going? Can you hear me? <laughs> I can definitely hear you and uh, it's going well, man. I have to ask you this question though. Did you watch any of the uh, college football championship games? Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, I, I agree. I like that was a, that was gonna be my comment. Did it did it suck or is it just me? I'm pretty sure it totally sucked. I mean, the competition sucked. Washington totally underperformed, and um, I personally hate Michigan, so it was like a total loss for me. What about you? Well, on both sides. Well, so I have a cousin that's a huge uh, Michigan fan. Um, uh, actually goes to Indiana University, so he's a bit of a traitor. But uh, uh, <laughs> he's he loved Michigan ever since he was a little kid. He's uh, 20, okay. 21, 22 now, whatever. So I was happy for him. But as I texted him after the game, I said, congrats, cuz, but that was one of the worst games I've ever watched. And I mean that because in every facet that you look at it, it was a bad game. So I know a lot of a lot of uh, people thought that the, the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl back in 2018 was a bad game. <laughs> there was right. a lot of great defensive plays in that game. So, yeah, it was sure. low scoring, but I thought it was a great game. Uh, on the flip side, on one that I wasn't happy about, the 2012 uh, national title game where me and you, our, our Notre Dame Irish, yes. got trounced yep. by Alabama. But Alabama made plays. Like, that's what sucked yeah, they about did. this game. Was. They did. It wasn't, like, it wasn't like Michigan blew the doors off of Washington. They both no. just didn't execute at all. And save right. for two huge runs by uh, Donovan Edwards, like, that game... That game, we said it in looking at a 10-10 game where neither team could really move the ball in the fourth quarter if you take yeah. Donovan Edwards' huge touchdown. So it just it just sucked. They're just like, again, a blowout can be fun for the first half if one team is lighting it up, but no one ever looked good. It was just poor totally execution agree. across the board. It was a snooze fest. As the Patriots are sitting with the number three pick, I was big on Penix. I actually like right. the fact that he sucked because I'm wondering if now he can drop all the way to the second round and they can get him <laughs> uh, early bit. in the second round. But, you know, but it was disappointing to see. I wanted to see him on the big stage, and I wanted to see him perform, and, and he was the most disappointing part of that game in my life. Oh, opinion. yeah, and that misconnection of Odunze in the first half could have changed everything. Um, I mean, it was, it was wide open, just kind of over. I would be him. remiss if I didn't say the, the right tackle, number 73, whose name I don't know, and I'm not even going to bother no, uh, learning to know. That might have <laughs> been one of the worst blocking performances that I've seen outside of watching the Patriots' offensive line all of this, uh, this past season. So it was – that dude was a – the, the clip that everyone showed was in that fourth quarter uh, when yeah. he didn't even come off the ball and he got beat. But if you watch if you watch that game intently, yes, that was the most egregious. But it was far from. I think there was probably a dozen missed assignments by him that game. He was terrible. Oh, it was not good. It was definitely not good. He was run and Michael Penix not all, not entirely on him. Uh, he didn't have a lot of time in the pocket. Okay, well that's enough college football. Obviously, the big news obviously Nick Saban gone from Alabama. How about that? Huh? That's something. That's <laughs> something there. And, of course, uh, we wouldn't be surprised if Harbaugh decided to move to the NFL as well. But anyway, hey, let's get out of college football. Let's talk about some NFL football. we got a lot to talk about today. We're talking about some NFL head coach openings. We preview and predict every NFL wildcard game. And there won't be much time for much, much more. But we'll see what we can squeeze into this half hour because we got a lot to talk about. So let's get rolling. 
So let's quickly talk about these uh, open NFL head coaching positions. Everybody knows Black Friday, right after that Week 18 game, a lot of head coaches let go there. Some of the midseason that we already knew about, of course, we know that Frank Reich was let go by the Carolina Panthers. We know that Josh McDaniels let go by the Las Vegas Raiders and Brandon Staley let go by the Los Angeles Chargers. But after week 18, we also saw Arthur Smith lose his job, unsurprisingly, from the Atlanta Falcons. Ron Rivera, much talked about for all season, actually losing his job from the Washington Commanders. Mike Vrabel, maybe somewhat surprisingly, lost his job by the Tennessee Titans. Had a pretty bad year, pretty bad two years, but it was just coach of the year two years ago, which is crazy. And uh, Pete Carroll, surprisingly, today moves off his head coaching position into an advisor role after 14 years. So let me ask you this question, Ryan. We got the Carolina Panthers. We got the Las Vegas Raiders. We got the Los Angeles Chargers. We got the Atlanta Falcons, Washington Commanders, and Tennessee Titans. Which one of those head coaching positions do you think is the most attractive to an incoming coach? Yeah, I mean, I think it's Seattle, uh, hands down after today, right? It's uh, Mm -hmm. two young wide receivers, talented wide receivers, um, talent all over the board on defense. Uh, Pete was well on his way to building that thing back up. Um, you know, I don't think you can, A, in today's NFL, B, uh, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice, ever rebuild the Legion of Boom, um, yeah. <laughs> which we started our show here in like, what, 2015, 2016, yes. but I've, I've not right. ever stopped talking about them. That is my favorite uh, non-Patriot team ever is, is that group of Seahawks players. It was sure. So they're not rebuilding that, but the Seahawks defense got a lot of great young pieces across the board, especially in that secondary. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, DK, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, you know, my, my big concern about anybody who's trying to go coach, especially guys second second time around right now, mm-hmm. um, and you know, well, this is probably not the time to really get deep into the draft stuff. But we just talked about Michael Penix Jr. Um, this quarterback group is starting to remind me a little bit of the 2021 group. Um, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of potential, and there's a lot, there's a five guys who could easily go in the first round, but. I mean, yeah. Now we look back on it, and it's like Zach Wilson out of a job, Mac Jones yeah. out of a job. Yeah. Um, what's it, why am I drawing a blank? Job? Justin Fields might be out of a job, uh, and yep. then Trey Lance never even really saw the field. And right. you know, uh, I don't know if we'll touch on it today, but the collapse by Jacksonville. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, outside of one decent year, really hasn't shown to be this can't miss prospect he was supposed to be. And so I totally a long way of saying that, like, if I'm a first time coach. I mean, there's a couple of these that are really interesting. Atlanta is pretty loaded outside the quarterback position because that's what I meant to say. Sorry. All five need a quarterback, right? And right. presumably if the Patriots get thrown well, into the Well, I mean, the Chargers might be able too. to make it out with Herbert, right? They already Sorry, you're right. Early. Herbert's the yeah. only one. So Herbert is, is the one that if I'm a second-year coach, if I'm a Mike Rabel or a Bill Belichick or somebody, this is my last chance to go win somewhere, Harbaugh, right? Because you usually don't get a third yeah. job as an NFL head coach. Like, right. That's what makes the Chargers the most attractive. If I'm a first-year guy – or sorry, a, a guy who hasn't been a head coach in the NFL before. I'm going to Seattle, seeing if I can hit on a quarterback because there's a lot of other good pieces around there. Outside right. of that, again, if you've already been hired once, you know, yeah. be, be careful. Not a lot of it was, <laughs> Yeah, and so we just saw it with Josh McDaniels. You know, he flamed out of Denver. He goes to, to, to the Vegas. Vegas didn't have a quarterback, and I don't, I'm not saying that's the only reason, but that definitely does attribute to it. And now he's out, and he'll never head coach again in the league probably. So, right. um so, yeah, so Seattle's probably my most – and I have a lot of questions about Herbert, though, I will say. Uh, so I just oh, want sure. to throw that we on the record. I'm not, a big, I'm not a big Herbert. I didn't – you know, I think his, I think his good uh, stretch there early in his career was a little bit overrated. 
Um, and, you know, the Chargers are just losers. Always have been, always will be. That <laughs> franchise is doomed. So There's something going on that. with them. There's something going on with them. I mean, but I, I think the pieces are there, though, that if you're – I think you're right, though. The pieces are there that if you are a Bill Belichick or maybe a Mike Vrabel that wants to move into a situation where you might be able to win now without having to draft a, a quarterback – you might be able to build around that. I mean, Keenan Allen had a pretty much a, a career year, if not for the injury. Um, and then there's, you know, Mike Williams coming back, um, theoretically, and Joshua Palmer, and then the untapped potential of Quinton Johnston, assuming he can amount to something. Uh, and then Austin Eckler, who had a down year as well. I mean, there's a lot of downs there. So it's hard. It's not, it's a low bar to turn it around. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they, they were so bad that, that just having a, a season where you win eight games might be considered a win for a coach going in there. But anyway, uh, lots to talk well, about just, there. And the problem quickly on that, you did, you did touch on two injury-prone guys in Allen and Williams, especially. And right, Eckler's right. getting up there in age now and stuff. He so is. I don't know that. Uh, Sam, I'm, I, they are the San Diego Chargers. Uh, I'll just keep calling San Diego. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure San Diego is as. Uh, as 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 an attractive as an opportunity as 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 I think is widely viewed across the league. Right, right. Well, well, certainly there's going to be some opportunity there for a lot somebody to get in there and get that thing jump started. We're going to have more to talk about because there are a ridiculous number of OC and DC openings right now. So we'll see what how all that all shakes out, and we'll talk about that more probably in the off season. But let's turn now to what's right ahead of us, and that is Super Wild Card. Sunday. So let me go ahead and hit the boxing bell on this section here. And <laughs> no, I will hit the boxing bell on this. That's what I will do. I know that we just got booed there. So wild card weekend. Let's talk about the first wild card game, and that's the Browns and the Texans, 3:30, actually 4:30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, January 13th. Um, this is a, a game that's looking at an over/under of 44.5 and a spread with Cleveland favored by two and a half. Uh, so what do you think here? I, I got some thoughts here. What do you think about this Browns-Texans matchup? What's the one thing you think that this game is going to turn on? Or what's, what, what do you have your eyes on as being something that's going to be important for this matchup? This might be my favorite matchup of the weekend, or at least up there. I'm very, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see these two teams go at it. I love watching C.J. Stroud play football right now. Um, seeing Nico Collins turn into just an absolute stud receiver. Obviously, yeah. unfortunate Tank Dell is not there any longer. I know, um, I know. And, and kind of an upstart defense in, in Houston. But I think I, I think the, 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 the key matchup, as it often is this time of year, when the pressure is the highest, uh, is going to come down to um, what we just saw in the national championship and you see over and over again in history, which is uh, in these big playoff or championship games, if a young quarterback gets sped up early in the pocket because of the pressure, and we all know how right. good that Cleveland defense is, especially their front front four and front seven, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's hard to come down from it because as much as I railed on 73 there, Penix, you know, Penix had some opportunities to make plays late in that game, but you could tell he just never, he, you know, Sam Darnold, seeing ghosts, he never yeah, got comfortable sure. again. It, it was in, and I think that's what really makes the difference between the, Really good quarterbacks who have a long career, you know, because I think Shroud either way is going to be a really good long time quarterback in this league and in Houston, obviously. Yeah, I agree. But does he have that that difference, you know, that Pat Mahomes, that Tom Brady, that Peyton yeah, Manning, right uh, now, you know, Gene, right. you know, I think we, I think this is kind of a litmus test that we'll see is if he goes in there and they, you know, if they lose this game thirty to twenty seven or. Uh, 27, 24, and he takes his licks, but he still makes some plays and, and puts up, you know, good, good, you know, not not an all-time performance, but call it 225 with two touchdowns and, you know, one interception, maybe something like that. We walk, walk yeah. away and go, all right, he, he stood in there. 
Um, so that's what I'm most looking for. I'd love to see them pull off the up- upset. Uh, I, I would, I would, I'm leaning Cleveland in this game. I think Joe Flacco, uh, whatever deal he made with the devil in 2012, when that, that Super <laughs> he Bowl, he's certainly done it again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I, I, I think, I think Cleveland's kind of set for a little bit of a run here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would like to, uh, I, I just, I'm, I'd like to see Houston pull this out, but mainly I'm trying to watch to see how Stroud looks in this moment. Yeah, you know, it's interesting about, so to your point, the Cleveland Browns, the number one passing defense in the league, they only allow 164.7 passing yards per game. That is clearly going to be their strength on the field. Uh, The one thing I will point out is Joe Flacco is not, I mean, he is definitely mistake prone. And the Browns actually have the seventh worst turnover differential in the league at minus nine. And a lot of that is because Joe Flacco turned the ball over a lot. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, is, is it possible for the Houston Texans to get a leg up by stealing a couple series? Absolutely. They have the fifth best turnover differential in the league, so they're just on the opposite end of the spectrum at plus 10. You know, and C.J. Stroud looks like the real deal. And like I said, Nico Collins, and you, like you said, Nico Collins also, I mean, 1,297 yards and eight touchdowns this year. He is absolutely making good on all the prospects uh, that, uh, that have been kind of talking about him. For years now, but Devin Singletary is where they're going to have to step up. I think C.J. Stroud will be important, as you say. If the Browns don't speed him up, it will be a problem. But I think Devin Singletary will have to step up. The only vulnerability in the Browns' defense is on the ground, uh, 11th best against the rush, but still allowing 105.5 yards per game. Devin Singletary has come on as of late, 898 yards on the ground so far this season, taking over Damian Pierce. So if he can keep the things going and keep them out of you know third and long situations. Uh, and if the Browns make a mistake or two, I think the Texans can take this. I'm going to take the Texans. I think the Texans will take this game. Um, I don't feel comfortable saying that, but maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking. I don't know. All right, let's talk about the next game. Let's talk about the Dolphins and the Chiefs at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. What do you think about this this showdown between the Dolphins and the Chiefs? Uh, 44.5, Kansas City favored by 4.5. Kansas City should be favored by more. Um, <laughs> a Kansas City's not been. I, I know Kansas City hasn't been very good this year. Um, and I think one of my first shows back, I, I referenced the 2013, 20, the 2006 Patriots, where you see yeah. this in these dynasty runs, where you know the the team pulls back a little bit uh, on on the spending. They haven't quite developed the next wave of guys yet. Um, and a lot falls on one person's shoulders. And in this case, that's Patrick Mahomes. He's got an aging tight end uh, who's really you know, I, I saw this recently, and I, I saw. I think I've said this on the show before, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's the, uh, that uh, Travis Kelsey is the same age as, as Rob Gronkowski and the same age as Julio Jones. Uh, one is barely <laughs> hanging on into the league; the other ones are is, has retired for a second time. So when you yep. put that much on on a 34 year old guy who has to play, you know, the tight end position, you're asking for trouble. So yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah. It, this is not. This is not really about the Chiefs. It's really much more about the Dolphins. I think we've seen it the last couple of weeks. Tyreek Hill is is not perfectly healthy. Ever since he had yeah. his ankle, the drop ta- the drop hip tackle on the sideline against uh, I don't remember who it was now, but a couple of weeks ago, um, he doesn't look the same. Jalen Waddle's been banged up. Mostert's um, yeah. been banged up. Uh, and then you have uh, um, the defense is now, I saw Van Ginkle is now on IR. Did I see Jerome Baker went on IR? They've, they've already lost uh, Jordan Phillips for the year. I mean, they're just across the board, up and down, that defense is banged up. So you have all yeah. that. Then you factor in the fact that it's a, uh, a warm-weather team going to Kansas City where I haven't checked in the last 24 hours. The last I saw is supposed to be 9-8 at kickoff 
uh, in Kansas City. As one of my buddies uh, uh, made a really good point to me, who's a big uh, Pacheco fan from fantasy, it was like, yeah, good luck trying to ta- – ta- I'd hate to tra- tackle Isaiah Pacheco uh, in, in, <laughs> in minus 10-degree weather. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think this is a game where Patrick Mahomes probably is not going to play uh, even his best game or have to do a lot because I think I think the Chiefs have a better have a good offensive line that that defense is weak in Miami right now in terms of injuries so they're going to pound the ball down their their throats and the last one just because I hate this guy and I just want to put this on record and I okay. wish I could I could credit I wish I could credit somebody for this because I don't remember who I saw it on Twitter uh, yeah. well I saw two things I saw a local Dolphins uh, fan account that posted showing that final pick uh, that Tua threw the other night that everyone wanted to get on Tua about and Tua turned the ball all over, which is such a lame joke that everyone makes, but whatever, that whole thing. Right. If you go right. back and watch it, the target he threw to, he actually throws a great ball, but the guy who runs the route runs, runs a rounded out. He doesn't put his foot in the ground and get straight across. He rounds it and fades and allows that ball to get picked off. Mm-hmm. And that bum is none other than Chase Claypool. And then I saw somebody <laughs> else tweet out that the Bears were like 1-8 and eight when Claypool was there and then finished like 5-6. and six. I'm butchering these numbers, but something like that. Yeah. And yeah, the, Dolph- yeah, yeah. the Dolphins were 10-1 and one before he got there and then finished 1-4 and four with them. Chase Claypool is toxic. He ruins everything. He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's better than he is. And he blew the game the other night. And he blew more than that, so I'm just I'm I'm all for piling on Chase Claypool. So they, the Dolphins, yeah. the, this this game will be over by halftime. Yeah, I, I, you know I used to like him when he was in college. Obviously, coming out of Notre Dame, I have not liked him in the NFL at all. So I totally agree with that. And to your point, with the cold weather, Miami has lost ten straight games when the game time temperature is forty degrees or less. We're talking about forty degrees or less. They just don't win in cold temperatures. And coming out of Miami, 40 degrees counts as cold. And as you said, negative 10 is the wind chill. The uh, actual AccuWeather temperature predicted to be 2 degrees, 2 degrees in Kansas City for kickoff. So, yeah, it's going to be a problem. The only thing I can see here on the other hand, on the other side, of course, I mean, there's a narrative, Tyreek Hill returning to Kansas City. Obviously, Kansas City could really use a wide receiver. Uh, that being said, the one vulnerability in the Kansas City defense is their rushing defense. They're tied for 17th. They only they allow 113.2 yards on the ground. Of course, if Raheem Mostert is is healthy, him and Bonatane running the ball, running some controlling time of possession, keeping Mahomes off the field, leaving the Chiefs to perhaps on the defensive side, leaving the field goals like they did, like like they're having trouble converting in the red zone. So this could be a, they could be a, they could squeeze this out. It's a possibility. I mean, the turnover differential is not everything, but Kansas City Chiefs, surprisingly, minus 11, tied for fourth worst in the NFL this season. They are just sloppy, holding on to the ball all over the place. So, listen, they steal a couple series there. They keep placing some ground control and time time of possession. Maybe they eke it out, but I'm with you. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win this by um, a pretty good amount. All right, let's get on to the next game here. Yeah. Sorry, before we turn the page. Yeah, I saw this. I think this is from SportsCenter ESPN today. We talked about this okay. a couple times on the show, but this is a really jarring stat. Do you know okay. who had more wins against teams of winning records than the Miami Dolphins did this year? Uh, no, who? The four and thirteen New England Patriots. So, oh, uh, man. The, the Dolphins <laughs> are not winning this game. They have they have zero zero shot. The Patriots beat the Bills and the, and the Steelers, which is one more win against above five hundred teams than the Dolphins had this year. They're Ooh. not winning on the road in Arrowhead. We didn't even mention Arrowhead, by the way. Just for the record, we didn't even talk about the yeah, crowd. I know. Yeah, I was going to mention Arrowhead, stuff, like, but I decided to pile on. <laughs> it, it's a no uh, contest game. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate because I actually wouldn't mind seeing the Chiefs knocked out. But anyway, that being said, let's move on to Sunday, January 14th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Steelers at Bills. 
What do you feel about this one? The over-under, 36.5, really low over-under. Buffalo favored by 10. So basically, they don't think the Steelers are going to score much on this game. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I just, again, this one I'll talk about even less because it's really not worth talking about. A couple key things. One, uh, the uh, um, I, I think the Bills have been too far at this point to only come this far, uh, meaning, you know, they've, they've gone on this run. I think I said that last week, actually, and they and they mm-hmm. and not not super convincing fashion, but it's Miami is one of those tricky hard places to play because the weather. So they went down there, they won that game. I, I, I just think the Bills are, are the better team. They're at home. It's again that this one I will mention the stadium right off the jump. You got to play mm-hmm. in Buffalo with that crowd in a playoff yeah, Bill game. Yeah, Buffalo there. I, yep. I, so I don't think that that's that. That they get a really shot. The not even arguably the best player on the Steelers is T.J. Watt. Uh, last I saw, was not expected to play. I don't know if that's official yet, but right. I would not bank on him playing. Right. Um, right. And I saw a stat that the, over the last two years the Steelers are one in ten without T.J. Watt. So um, yeah, I'm not banking that on that. M- Mason Rudolph is not going on the road and winning a game. Uh, and beyond that, just the, one one little uh, scratch I need to itch because I heard this on the broadcast a lot last weekend um, watching that Steelers Ravens game about how, you know, how the Steelers had a lot of trouble there for a while, but, uh, but, but they've really figured they've, – they've gotten their offense figured out, and they're, and, they're, and they're rolling and clicking now as evident by this game, or by these last two games. I mean, sure, they scored 30 against the Seahawks. They scored 17 against the Ravens in a game the Ravens didn't even care about winning. Like, what, we're going <laughs> to pretend that the Steelers' offense has figured it out? Like, miss yeah. me with that. Um, so, and furthermore, somebody posted this, but, like, uh, it was – Jake Browning, uh, I think they got this, the Cardinals before Kyler was back. I can't remember, maybe, but maybe Kyler. But then you got Bailey Zappi, you got Gardner Minshew, uh, Browning right. again. Uh, I forget who even played for the Seahawks. And then maybe it was Geno. <laughs> I don't think it was. And then the Ravens. Somebody, anyways, someone posted like during the six-game win streak for the for the Steelers. It was like listed all the quarterbacks they beat, and it's like, yeah, this is like this is this is beyond a fake playoff team. The the Bills, yeah. the Bills in a row. They really, really uh, backed into this. Hey, did you know that Mike Tomlin and Sean McDermott were teammates at William & Mary? That's my uh, little trivia for this particular matchup. There's nothing else interesting about it because, quite frankly, the Steelers (laughs) are going to lose. Um, Maybe Najee Harris and Jalen Warren get up there and manage to take advantage of the rush defense. The Bills have not been as good against the rush, allowing 110.6 per game. But, quite frankly, um, this is going to be a no contest, I think, and Josh Allen's going to have a career day. You're right, by the way, 1-10 without T.J. Watt. They allow 25.8 points per game without T.J. Watt. Uh, so I'd expect at least that much from the Buffalo Bills on uh, this Sunday. All right, let's get to the next game. Let's talk about the p.m. game. A very interesting matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. The over-under, a whopping 50.5. Dallas favored by 7.5. Arlington, Texas. What are your thoughts about this game? Yeah, quickly, uh, just backtracking for a second because we didn't even miss, mention you said there's not anything really interesting besides Sean McDermott and Mike Tomlin being ex-teammates. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe the maybe the interesting thing will be uh, if Sean McDermott decides to uh, to cite during his pregame speech. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, okay. I'll leave it at that. Um, All right. I know you know, but, uh, <laughs> I, but uh, I hit I hit some kind of sound effect. I just don't have the right sound effect for that. <laughs> yeah, you might, we might, might get in trouble depending on the sound effect. Uh, exactly. On that one. But, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I got uh, in this game. I, I don't know what it is about this 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 Packers team, but they I find them so boring and unwatchable, uh, painful to watch them to try to play offense. And I know 
Uh, Jaden Reed's had some big moments, um, and, 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 and Jordan Love has had some some also like some flashy moments here. Uh, meaning like there there are moments where the play looks great. There was one the the, the fadeaway jump pass that Love threw off his back foot last weekend. It's like you watch that and you go, ooh, there's something. But then it's like trying to watch them play is I don't know as setting football back. It's like trying to watch the Patriots play <laughs> offense the last two years. So right. uh, I'm not super excited about this game. Uh, I think the Cowboys should win this uh, in pretty dramatic fashion. I know there's a little bit of a storyline of Mike McCarthy against his old team and stuff, but like the yep. players aren't, aren't the same players there anymore. It's not like it's Aaron Rodgers coming back to play against McCarthy, right. which would have a little juice to it. So right. um, this is another one that I just, I, I again, Cowboys are at home. Um, I made a lot of, spicy predictions last weekend in terms of yep. games uh, like the Eagles losing, which I called, um, right. but, uh, <laughs> but it, the Cowboys were one that, that I got wrong where they, they'd struggled on the road. They went and hung it up on Washington. I think they're figuring it out at the right mm-hmm. time. And I don't know who's going to stop CD lamb. And the other thing, the other wrinkle I love that the Cowboys are doing, I don't know how many more in the game happens. So I don't know what it is, but I think it's something over like the second half of the season uh, or maybe it's the full season either way. Uh, CD Lamb's had 11 rush attempts this year, or or more, I guess now. Um, mm-hmm. So they're finding different ways to put the ball in his hands uh, to make him an all-around playmaker, which I think is uh, you know a, a nice little wrinkle to their offense. Um, and again, I think they seem to be they stumbled a little bit middle of the year, but they seem to be clicking at the right time. And they and whatever it's the, it's the Washington Commanders, but that was a a road game against a division opponent at the end of the season. And they, they showed me a little something there, to be honest. So yep. uh, I think Cowboys big again. I th- I hate to keep saying route, but I think this one's also a pretty uncompetitive game. Yeah. The Cowboys obviously undefeated at home and they are, they're rolling right now. I mean, they're, they have the number three passing offense in the NFL, 258.6 yards. They have their first in terms of points on offense, 29.9. And they're twice as good at that when they are at home. So and their defense is no slouch, fifth best passing defense as well, and the fifth least points allowed uh, in the NFL this season. So this is uh, this is a big, big matchup. I, you know, I hate the Green Bay Packers. I'm a Bears fan. They do look kind of breezy. They do look like they're playing of house money right now. It, interestingly enough, Dak Prescott leads the league in passing touchdowns. You knew who's number two. Jordan, pretty Jordan obvious. Love, I'm guessing. Yeah, Jordan Love, because, I, I, you know, it's funny, because I would have never thought that, so I looked it up. You know, I, it's kind of funny. I, I heard the stat. I went and looked it up and said, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that. So, yeah, they have some potential here. I mean, they, they certainly are better than I expected them to be, but I do think Dallas at home is going to be able to take this, and I totally agree with you. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is unstoppable right now. And not only that, but the Packers are absolutely atrocious on the ground. 28th in terms of rushing defense. They allow 128.3 yards on the ground. Now, I know Tony Pollard has had a bad year, but this might be the big breakout that everybody's <laughs> waiting for Dallas, and they might not even need it because I have a feeling that uh, Dak Prescott's going to hang up a big one of them. All right, let's move on to the next uh, showdown here, and that's the very interesting 8 p.m. game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions. Uh, over under 51.5, Detroit favored by three, but they're the home team, so this is basically a coin flip. What do you think about the Rams at the Lions? And looks like we might have lost Ryan here. No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> hey, All there right. he is. I think my Wi-Fi wiggled there for a second, but... 
Um, so I don't know how much you teed me up, but I'll just say all, all the crap the pulling I just did in the last three games, man, I'm I'm excited for this one. Um, oh, me too. So many good storylines here. Like, I, I love this Lions team. I think they're a lot of fun. Um, but the schadenfreude aspect, thank God Scott's not on this week, uh, the schadenfreude mm-hmm. aspect of, like, they have their best team in 30 years or 40 years, whatever it's been. Yeah. They win the division. The, the the whole conference outside the 49ers and really the league outside the 49ers and Ravens is wide open. They have a right. home playoff game. All this, and here comes Matt Stafford, who they traded away. He's got a Ugh. Super Bowl ring on a team that looked like they might miss the playoffs just a couple of weeks ago, and, they, and then Stafford comes in and whoops them and beats them. I mean, God, would that be so Detroit? Um, yeah. I hope it doesn't happen, but <laughs> right. um, but it could. I think uh, so. You know, and then obviously the inverse is uh, the 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 revenge game for for Jared Goff against the team sure. that didn't want him because that's it. the difference is if one's more motivated it's Goff because Stafford the Lions didn't get rid of Stafford because they didn't believe in Stafford they just knew they no. were too far away and it was his turn to go win a title so I don't think he's going to come in with any motivation that you didn't want me is no it? he loves Detroit and Detroit loves him that's for sure I'll date I'll date myself it's like Ray Bork going to the Avalanche where he doesn't look at that as like screw the Bruins for trading me he looked at it as like thank you for letting <laughs> me go get a cup finally right like so right, I think it's on right. that side. Whereas Goff said we had a team ready to win, and you didn't. I was the piece you needed to get over the top on. So screw you. I'll show. Right. You. So exactly. I think that's really obviously going to be super interesting. The Amon St. Raw is just a blast to watch. He plays with that edge and attitude like a Stephon Diggs does. Yeah. Um, so seeing him in a playoff environment is going to be really great. And then mm-hmm. from a nerdy football guy standpoint, um, with all those coaching vacancies we touched on earlier. Ben Smith and Aaron Glenn are two guys who are high up on a lot of lists oh, yeah. right now. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball in Detroit and how those guys play calling and units perform. Um, you know, so I think that, that that's also going to be interesting. And then lastly, and again, I really hope it doesn't happen, but it's the Lions. They're going to lose in a really painful way. And I'm kind of, Ugh. it's going to be somewhat fun to watch. It just, it's yeah. funny <laughs> when you see, when you see, like, because they're going to come up with some new inventive way that we can't even, I can't even project or guess or figure out of how they're going to lose this game, but it will happen. I hope I'm wrong, but when it does happen, at least there'll be the, the comedic entertainment moment. Yeah, it's good. this is going to be a, an offensive showdown for sure, which is going to be a ton of fun. And quite frankly, when you compare what Jared Goff has done in um, Detroit this year compared to what Matt Stafford has done in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Goff has done wonders. I mean, they are the second passing, the second best passing offense in the league, 258.9 passing yards per game. And they also have the fifth best rushing offense and the fifth most points scored per game this year. So they, they definitely beat the Rams on all the metrics when it comes down to it. The problem with the Detroit Lions is their pass defense. A, a raggedy 27th in the league. They allow 247.4 passing yards per game. And of course, Matt Stafford now, I mean, assuming Cooper Cup is is healthy and Puka Nakua there, I mean, this could be one of those light up games where Matt Stafford just goes nuts. And the problem on the other side of this is, you know, we, we have a problem with Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta is likely out this game. Uh, and it's a shame because he got injured in a game that was essentially meaningless in week 18 for the Detroit Lions. Uh, and he is a, a quintessential, very important part of that offense. I'm on Ross St. Brown, obviously, what the engine that makes it go, but Sam Laporter also a big part of it, likely out. That's going to be a problem for them. It's going to be painful. I'm going to be rooting for the Lions, but I think the Rams have the biggest opportunity 
make a run in the playoffs. So who are you picking here, Rams or Lions? You know, I know I shouldn't. I'm going to pick on my heart. I'm going to pick. Uh, I'm going to pick the Lions, um, even though I, I, I don't. I, again, I don't feel comfortable <laughs> with that pick at all. But, but what I will say, I think, I think a key to this game is, you know, the Rams are, are middle of the middle of the league in rush defense, 106. So to your point, Laporta out. Um, I think the Rams want to play fast on offense and stuff. So yeah. uh, I, I think Detroit with uh, uh, with their running back group, uh, if they come out and play a little bit more focus on a ball control ground style, I, that might be their, their best chance. So, um, again, I don't have a ton of faith, uh, but hopefully uh, I'll pick the Lions uh, gun to my head just because uh, Rams are on the we road. We want to the win. have a lot to prove. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I will take the Lions to win uh, outright, but I don't feel comfortable about it. All right, let's get to the last game of Super Wild Card again. That is on seven uh, 8-15 here on Monday, January 15th. Eagles at Buccaneers, uh, t- and the uh, over-under at 43-and-a-half. The spread, Eagles favored by three down in sunny Tampa, Florida. What do you think about this game? I think I've been on this trend. It's been bubbling. I've been mm-hmm. right so far. Okay. I call it take-cornered, dug-in, stubborn, petty, whatever you want. Okay. I got the Buccaneers taken out the Philadelphia Eagles in this game. Okay. That's, um, not, that's and, not actually that weird, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Well, I think I think this week it's not weird, but I think yeah. the, the the last couple of weeks of people were kind of slow to come around to this. Now the Eagles, you know, I, I, I haven't looked at the injury report again, but I know A.J. Brown's dealing with some, Devontae Smith's yeah. dealing with some, so they're banged up, so there's that part of it. Uh, yep. We all saw Jalen Hurts' middle finger uh, the other day uh, Super turning displayed. into an S. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Not uh, great. They zoomed in on that. Um, yeah, but uh, but uh, yeah, we got uh, you know, we got that uh, th- that whole aspect of it. Um, and and I just think uh, you know, we've just we've seen this enough over the last couple years. Uh, the Steelers a couple years back where they were eleven and zero, and but you looked at their strength of schedule and you looked at the style of their wins and you said, eh, yeah. they're not really it, and they didn't turn out to be it. The twenty nineteen right. Patriots that started off ten and zero that Brady famously. Uh, was quoted on the Monday night broadcast where he told, uh, I think Al Michaels was still on at that point, or maybe it was a Sunday night broadcast. Anyways, he told one of the guys, and they repeated it on the air, that he said, I think we're the worst 9-0 and team in the history of football or something like that. <laughs> right. uh, and, then, and then they really didn't do anything down the stretch and got bounced by Tennessee in the first round. Like We've, we've started to see this a couple times over the last couple years, um, especially, so I, and I, don't, I don't really know what to attribute to that, but we've started to see more and more occurrences of these teams that get off to really hot, hot starts, look like really good on paper, but then they really falter down the stretch and then they lose a playoff game that you're like, oh, they shouldn't have, on paper, they shouldn't lose because on paper, the Bucks should not be, I don't care if they're at home and I like Baker uh, more than I, than the people who hate on Baker, you know, but I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm realistic about him. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I think he's a good, you know, he's a better case Keenum. He's not case Keenum who got a team all the way to the NFC championship game. So like, I'm not, Baker's clearly capable of winning in the postseason. They got some weapons there. I mean, this is a team that's yeah. two years removed from winning a Super Bowl. Um, yep. Of course, they had A.B., Gronk, and Brady at the time and whatever. But um, Right, right. But anyways, I, so this is not about the Bucks. I just think there's, it's dysfunctional in Philly. The wheels are coming off. Um, and uh, I saw a report this week from a, uh, from a source that was close to Nick Sirianni 
who said, I think he's a great X and O's guy, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think he's a great X's and O's guy. I think he has a long history or a long, yeah, a long future ahead of him in this league, but I don't think he's ready to be a head coach quite yet. And wow. that is probably what I haven't uh, articulated well enough in the past couple uh, weeks, but like, that's what it is. It's, it's a demeanor that he's just, he's unprofessional. He's immature. He's not a leader of men. Again, look at how Dan Campbell carries the lions, right? Where it's yeah, just like totally different. this calm steadiness and, 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 and Terry Amish just doesn't have that. Again, the, uh, I think they're 0-5 since he screamed at the uh, Chiefs fans, don't hear you now, see ya, that whole moment or whatever coming up, which was so, like, that's a high school coach moment, you know, that yeah, whole thing. Yeah. So I think the wheels finally fo- fully fall off, uh, fall off. And I also saw another report this week that said, you know, the Eagles are the team that moved on from, you know, Nick Foles after he won a Super Bowl and moved off of Carson Wentz a couple years after he, you know, they don't, they don't have – a history of being afraid to pull the trigger when it's time. Um, right. And if they go out there and lay a big dud, I'm talking like the Eagles win this. I mean, sorry, the, the Tampa wins this like 31-10, something like that, and it's really not competitive. Right. That right. that error could end in Philly, which which I think it should. So I'm happy to see. Yeah. It. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think the, the the key here to me is that the Eagles' defense, most vaunted, the second best defense last year. Now the second worst defense. Actually, it's the third worst defense in terms of points allowed. They allow 25.2 points per game, and the second worst defense on uh, against the pass. They allow 252.7 passing yards per game. I mean, they are absolutely vulnerable to people passing on them. The, I mean, Tyrod Taylor passed on them <laughs> to Darius Slayton. Who thought we'd be talking about Darius Slayton this year? I mean, this is um this is a real problem for the Eagles. And they're not going to be able to get through this if they don't have a couple stops here. Now, I, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on offense have not been great. I mean, they barely made it past the Carolina Panthers last week on three field goals. That is absolutely terrible, right? That's horrendous. So Baker Mayfield and uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, they all have to get on the same page and figure out what they're doing this week. But they should have plenty of, of room here to move the ball. It's just a question of whether the Eagles can keep up because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also – a terrible pass defense. They have the third worst pass defense in the league, allowing 248.9 yards per game. So the only other differential here that I want to point out, and no pun intended, is the turnover differential. The Eagles are incredibly sloppy, minus 10 on the season, six worst in the league right now. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are incredibly opportunistic, plus eight, ninth best in the league. So, hey, listen, again, they steal a couple series, you know, Philadelphia gets burnt by Tampa Bay airing it out, and this can be over really, really fast. So um, I'm not, I don't think it's weird at all to say the Eagles get this and picking the Buccaneers to beat the Eagles this weekend, and I'm assuming you're doing the same. Oh, absolutely. You know, and the other part we didn't mention was that at least the Eagles, despite all their dysfunction, turned the defensive side that's been struggling over to a really qualified candidate who's had a really nice stretch of five years in the NFL in Matt Patricia. So, um, you know, really, really smart moves there by Philly. <laughs> right. It, you know, and, and just to add a little bit, I mean, just, just so everyone knows, Sidney Brown, safety for the Eagles out for the ACL tear. Of course, Reed Blankenship, one of their standout safeties now, also questionable groin injury. I mean, they can't, they can't afford to be any worse in terms of pass coverage. This can be um, really, really, really bad. So, all right, so that takes us to the last game. So let's go ahead and hit the air horn on the show. <laughs> All right, Ryan, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? Yep, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Nick Sirianni Sucks or at <laughs> Ryan Whitfield NE. 
All right. And and did you actually did you should copyright that man? You should copyright at Nick Sirianni sucks. I feel like you should do take that and get make a t-shirt or something like that. And I missed really the boat. Fun. I missed the boat. He's, 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 yeah, I know. Everyone's caught on. Everyone's caught on. It's like me and you talking <laughs> about Jeff Fisher before everyone finally figured out that Jeff Fisher wasn't a good NFL coach. So oh, too late, too late to market it now. Too late, man. You're on it, but you're not. You're too late to market. Okay, well, brought just so everyone knows, we're brought to you. 20% off, free shipping, and a promo code garbage time at manscaped.com. Also brought to you by Utah. Receive 125% sportsbook bonus special deposit. Use the link in the foot in the podcast description in order to get the offer. Once again, thank you for listening and wasting time for, with us. You can find me at FD Garbage Time on Twitter or on the Football Garbage Time page on Facebook. Hey, listen, it's gonna be a fun one. So until next time. Enjoy your NFL week and Super Wild Card Weekend.